Welcome to Save the Division AL East. I'm your host, Colby Olson, joined here today by Javier Reyes of Locked On Padres. But Javi, you're a Padres fan, obviously. You watch a lot of Padres, but you mm-hmm. are an East Coast guy. Yeah. So you probably get to see a lot of Yankees. I know your dad's a Yankee fan. Yeah, um, absolutely. My dad's a huge Yankees fan. My mom probably even bigger of a Yankees fan. They're they're kind of like they have a bigamist approach to it where like they're just all New York. So they also root for the Mets too. But yeah, I'm a recovering Yankees fan. That's how I, I choose to value myself. I'm of course the Padres guy and whatnot, but I'm so excited to talk about the AL East. Probably I know that the NL West has been great, but I still think the best division in baseball, even if your Red Sox haven't been so great, I still think that this is the best division. And I think the Red Sox are just, you know, they've got some issues, but if they're in the NL Central or they first place, I don't know. That's just how I kind of feel it. It's definitely a loaded, loaded division, Mm. but going back to you being having your roots kind of as a Yankee (laughs) fan, I want to bring up something because I was at the Yankee game last week when Aaron judge hit the walk-off home run, Jordan Romano's first blown save of the year. But I noticed something kind of peculiar and maybe I've noticed this before, but I want to bring it up here. Yankees fans they, they come to the game, they're all excited, and they're wearing their jerseys, right? They're, mm-hmm. they're Aaron Judge jersey, whatever jersey they're wearing, right? Yeah. You look out on the field, though, and the jerseys that the players wear don't have a name on the back. Mm. And yet, the, the jersey that the fans wear in the stands have a name on the back. And it's just, it's just one of those things that I look at, and I'm like, why ruin the tradition that your own team has of not wearing the name on the back? It, it feels dirty to me. It's and there you go. Henceforth, why I'm a recovering Yankees fan. There are a variety of reasons for I don't root for the Yankees anymore. I mean, I still do when it comes to rooting against the Red Sox and certain other. And if I hate a certain team, like this year, my team of hatred is the Brewers, for example. Right. But still, for the most part, it's like the no facial hair, in my opinion. And I've written about this on the site, the worst away uniforms in all of sports. Just all of these. Your stadium is just these white pillars. There's such an elitist like snobby vibe to the Yankees. Well, when we go to a Mets game, it's like, oh, cool. There's like brick walls and like not $4,000 steak restaurants. It's just very, it's just away from what makes New York, New York in a lot of ways. Or some would say, what is New York? Which is just a lot of Manhattan rich people and whatnot. But that's how I felt about it. Not to be like the hot takey guy being, you know, but but, hey, Peter Apple, I know he's down bad with his betting right now. Maybe that's why he didn't want to, he cowered away from today's state of division. But, you know, I'll go even further. I find Aaron Judge to be considering his last name is Judge and he hits the ball, you know, to another to to Middle Earth. I find him actually kind of boring in a lot of ways. I think he should be much more exciting. So, yeah, I'm full on that Yankees hate thing. Unfortunately, though, they're extremely good. I have my own Aaron Judge takes. I love Aaron Judge as a player and Mm -hmm. as the face of the biggest franchise in the world across all sports. The Yankees Mm -hmm. are the most valuable franchise. Six billion dollar franchise. Is it them still? It is. them. I just thought it was Dallas. That's all. It probably I goes think it now. is the Yankees. And mm-hmm. so before we get into the episode, I think we the plan for this episode is to talk about a lot of the narratives around the division, mm-hmm. contract extensions, maybe some hot debates around who is better mm-hmm. as a player. But first, I want to run down the current standings right now, because the Yankees, the evil empire, as we were just talking about, yeah, are man. absolutely destroying this division right now. <laughs> 25 and nine. They have a plus 69 run differential right now, which is actually the only <laughs> positive run differential in the league are in this division right now. Behind mm-hmm. them, you have the Tampa Bay Rays, 21 and 14. They're playing really, really well. They're just starting to get going. 
Toronto Blue Jays kind of scuffling. They're playing above 500 ball, 18 and 17 right now. Their pitching has struggled a bit. Their lineup just hasn't gotten it going just yet. The Baltimore Orioles are in fourth, which for them is fantastic, 14 and 21. Then you have the lowly Red Sox. And the lowly Red Sox just took two of three from the Rangers. And maybe they're going to start getting it going. Their schedule here in the next, you know, three to four weeks is somewhat easier after they play the Astros. But they have a big, big hole to come out of. But it's interesting to see the way that the AL East is, is kind of structured right now because you have, you know, four tiers going down yeah. from the Yankees down to Toronto's four games, then another three games to Toronto, and then another five down to Boston. So it's mm-hmm. it's very tiered. The first narrative I want to get into, Javi, is Aaron mm-hmm. Judge. Back to Aaron Judge. Mm-hmm. Aaron Judge has been playing like an MVP candidate this year. He's tied with Mike Trout for second in all of baseball in war right now. And the Yankees offered him a seven-year, $213 million contract extension before the season, which he turned down because he said, I'm worth more than this. I'm much more valuable than this. And I will show you that. And I want to ask you, one, how much is Aaron Judge going to get this offseason? But Man. is it going to be with the Yankees? Is it going to be with the Yankees? Look, I know that some Mets fans, they're like, oh, Cohen, empty the paycheck. They're not going to do that. They've got a really complete team. And on top of that, Pete Alonzo, DeGrom, they got to worry about that thing too, right? But I mean... It would be fun as heck, right? If if the Yankees were able to botch this, because one thing with the Yankees for a while, for the past few years with under Hal Steinbrenner, is that they still have a top payroll, but they've never done that extra little oomph. And past ownership, something tells me that Correa deal in Minnesota, oh, come on. The Yankees would have matched that because of how much they haven't won a World Series in so long. They would have done that. They probably would have said, screw it, we'll sign Robbie Ray, even though he's been a little bit of a mess. But nonetheless, I just think they would have done that. I don't see a world because of how much he means to the Yankees that they don't up that offer to like seven two eighty. I'm not good with the contract stuff, but you have to up it. You look at what Marcus Simeon just got and he's been underperforming all this stuff. I understand that there's worries about the long-term deal, but it's just, it's the Yankees. And I think that that would be too much of a blow. They could avoid say if they lost LeMay right? That wouldn't be great, but you could have, you could, you can't get rid of the guy who literally put you back on the map back in what was it, 2017. He comes into the league, probably maybe should have won MVP that year. I can't see them giving it up. I think they give him what he wants um, for sure, honestly. And you, you talk about Aaron Judge being a boring player or a boring personality, (laughs) that is. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I think that almost bodes well for Aaron Judge's abilities because he is that no nonsense guy. He shows up to the he mm. shows up to the ballpark, gets the job done. He wants his life to be private. And you have to respect that from a guy that is the mm-hmm. face of the Yankees. He is a no nonsense yeah. guy. And he really does encapsulate everything that the Yankees are. And it would be shocking if the Yankees said, yeah, our MVP yeah. will be gone. He has his own part of the stadium i mean the judges chambers yeah. are a part yeah. of the stadium. no other stadium really has that i remember mannyville or whatever it was back in <laughs> you know 2013 or 2014 when when manny went to the dodgers they had that little section but this is this is special yeah you're right he epitomizes the yankees he's a really good player who's no nonsense and a little bit boring with his personality but you know what uh it works for the yankees i think they pay him i just i don't Man, the judges' chambers is so good. My thing isn't, I think I should rephrase. He's not boring. It's just that 
he should be so much more fun given the last name and the home run. Do you know what I'm saying? It's like relativity. Speaking. Very, very fair. Not every guy is going to be that. Mike Trout mm-hmm. is definitely not that guy. <laughs> the yeah. next narrative I want to get into, and it's something that I tweeted out earlier today from the Just Baseball oh, Stats and Info page. <laughs> Rafael Devers. Rafael Devers led mm-hmm. all third basemen last year with 22 errors and graded out as the worst third baseman by defensive run saves this, so far this season. Devers really has made big adjustments to his defense. He's only made one error and he has zero DRS. And you might be thinking, okay, he has zero defensive run saves. That's not good. No, it's not amazing, but it's also not bad because there are plenty of guys that have negative five, negative six, even Bogarts has negative three. And the improvements he's made on defense have been amazing. And he's still crushing the ball hobby. 149 WRC plus he's hitting three 12 and really has been the spark plug for this Red Sox offense because they really just haven't had any. But the the narrative I want to bring up is Aaron Judge is clearly the best player in the AL East right now. But I'm going to make the case that Rafael Devers is the second best player and is more valuable to a team right now than Vlad Guerrero Jr. because his bat is very, very good and at the caliber of a Vlad Guerrero Jr. But because his defensive value at third base is higher than that of Vlad Guerrero Jr.'s at first base. And I want to hear you come back to me with that because it's a take look look i mean look at us who would have thought both of us coming out with some i hate aaron judge and you're like vlad sucks <laughs> basically what people are gonna take away with this look my first thing to that is i've always had a question for you guys since you guys understand stats more than me i always have been wondering are we sure that defense is something that carries year to year maybe it does but for me it's like I mean, you just mentioned what happened, what's happening with, with Devers right now. I don't know if defense is something that always stays. That's always been my vibe to it, where it maybe it is a season by season thing. Maybe you're not going to do a Marcus Simeon level of drop off on, on offense, right? That, that that doesn't happen usually with the, the defense, such a stretch. But I don't know. I mean, I could see a universe and whatnot, but my counter for all that, your defensive run saved and your WR, my counter is just no. <laughs> my counter is no I'm still taking Vladdy um I know that first baseman rankings you guys did you put Freddie ahead because of the sample Ridic- that's ridiculous and, that wasn't yeah, me that, don't don't roll oh, that's me right you're right that wasn't you that was whack over there and, yeah yeah, yeah. your apple that's right yeah don't don't but, uh, run me into that my response is just no <laughs> I, I think you have to give it some time I think that we'll see I need plus defense um and the other thing is just all right but who would you just you're building a team who would you rather have you probably still rather have Vlad Jr. In fairness, there are some goalposts we're talking about in, in a season right now. We're not taking necessarily the age into account, the contract, the fact that Devers will be free agent sooner than Vlad. But I mean, I get your point, though. And I think that it is a fair point that is Devers the most underrated star uh, currently, maybe not just in the American League, East, but maybe in the American League in general. We're all it's a it's a very hot take because Vladimir Guerrero Jr. obviously was second in the AL MVP last year, 166 <laughs> WRC plus last <laughs> season. This is obviously a small sample hot take. And who knows if Rafael Devers defense adjustments will stick throughout the season. But mm. aside from the Devers Vlad Jr. debate, I think it's interesting that we're even mm. having the debate about it. The Red Sox need to pay this man a large sum of money this offseason because he is going to be a free agent. And they already let Mookie Betts go. The narrative in Boston yeah. would be so, so bad if they let Rafael Devers go. I think it might even be worse than if the, if the Yankees let Aaron Judge go at that point. Yeah, it's because especially what you mentioned with Betts. You can't afford to trade Betts in a trade that, yeah, you got Verdugo. You Not to go all Ryan Miller 
on you and whatnot, but at least they did get some value back. Even if you maybe shouldn't have traded the guy, you did get something back. But then it's like, oh man, you lose Devers too. I can understand if they trade maybe Xander, I imagine. On future State of the Division episodes, you guys will be talking about that possibility. I understand that. Pay Devers. You just have to. I don't see a universe where you can afford for this fan base. A huge team. This is not the Kansas City Royals. You guys have the money. You own Liverpool or whatever the hell, right? Like, you can do this. I think that ownership should spend it and say, all right, we messed up with bets. Keep Devers. He's young, and he's going to be awesome for years to come. Okay, the next narrative, and I feel like these poor Blue Jays fans and Rays fans Mm. and Mm. Orioles fans are going to be at our throats because all we're going to talk about today is the freaking (laughs) Yankees who Jack McBullen (laughs) today is going to release his power rankings and the Yankees are going to be one. So I think it's warranted that we're talking a lot about the Yankees, but Mm -hmm. what I next want to talk about the Yankees is that Nestor Cortez is solidifying himself, not only as the Yankees number two behind Garrett Cole, but legitimately solidifying himself as close to a top 20 pitcher in this league. He is he has the third lowest ERA in baseball and he's striking out 34% of batters. When a lot of people think about Nestor Cortez, I don't think that they quite understand yet. And maybe that's changing because he really is setting the world on fire and he's a fun guy with this cool mustache, but I don't know if people really understand that Nestor Cortez is pitching like an ace right now. Yeah. And I mean, one thing that I like to look into every now and then is just like, what do the bad starts look like for a guy who's breaking out, right? And for Nestor Cortez, five innings, one one earned run, two runs against the the Royals over eight hits, and then against Toronto, two earned runs over four innings. Like, yeah, it's not great. It's not good. But is that like the worst he's been? Yeah, so far it has been. Yesterday, uh, you mentioned how Donnie has been no walks, seven Ks, eight innings against the White Sox. That's not a slouch of a team, despite how much they've been struggling. Uh, he's awesome. And look, I don't know why a recent trend of me in fantasy baseball is that I miss on all of my early starting pitchers, but then I pick up the sleepers later on. I have Cortez, right? I've got even Severino has been pretty useful uh, and whatnot. So I'm awesome. Mackenzie Gore, shout out to my guy. Uh But I don't know what's going on, but he's been really fun. Hopefully he figures out his social media issues and whatnot. Got to be careful with that, my guy. Everybody, police, name search yourself. It's not that hard. We learned that from some other guys the past few years, like Josh Hader and and, uh, and Trey Turner and whatnot. Like, just name search your thing. You're good. This goes for everybody, not even just baseball players. You'll be fine. Hey, listeners out there, just do it. Yeah, Just just do it, kids. Everybody, it's just do that. Everybody has some dumb stuff, right? But... (laughs) With Cortez, I agree with you. The fastball, despite not being super fast, it hangs, not hangs. Uh, it, it like ascends really well, the vertical movement, all that fancy schmancy stuff. I think it's really awesome. And it is what I would even go further. My take of the podcast is most exciting. The reason the Yankees are a little bit more exciting than usual is because of Cortez and Severino. There's so much fun to watch. I love the Bronxy stuff. I love the nasty Nestor mustache and Severino. I mean, when he's, when he's on, he looks electric and pumped up uh, Cortez. We're starting to have that thing where it's like, no, this isn't just a cute story that happened in 2021. This is like, this actually might be a legit guy. And it is a cute story. And that's what makes it awesome is that he's such an awesome dude that him pitching well and being this funky guy makes the Yankees more likable too. As such a hateable franchise from the outside looking in, Mm -hmm. he makes them very, very likable in a sense. Mm The next narrative I want to get to, and we're going to hit on your Tampa Bay Rays. All right. Like people, <laughs> we were, we're going to get Rays. there. Don't worry. We were going to get there. So now we're going to get there. We talk a lot about Wander Franco and 
he is clearly the best player on the Tampa Bay Rays right now. He's leading them in war 1.3 war. He's hitting 286 and playing really, really fine defense. But right now, I think there's a debate whether Wander Franco actually has been the best player on the Rays thus far. Mm -hmm. And you might have a little bit of stake in this one because Manuel Margot truly has been the Rays MVP right now. He's hitting 348, Javi, playing exceptional defense. He has three home runs, five stolen bases. I actually compare the way he's playing right now to a Starling Marte type player. He really does Mm -hmm. look like that out there. And I want you to touch on one, how it makes you feel to see him (laughs) just being the destroyer of worlds on Mm -hmm. another team not named the Padres. And if this is actually real. So, yeah, this is a comment for just a peek behind the curtain for uh, listeners and watchers of Just Baseball Chat. We love bringing up the old Padres that have now become great ever since A.J. Preller manager traded them away. I will say with Margo, it's been a little bit later. Uh, they trade him heading into the 2020 season for Emilio Pagan. In fairness, his offense didn't kick up for a little bit. Unlike some other guys, Ty France. Uh, you know, uh, some other ones, Josh Naylor a little bit right now, right? Luis Urias, Eric Lauer. Those guys were great immediately. At least Manny Margot, I'm willing to be like, maybe this is some Rays bullshit. They're just finding a way to just find and, and get value out of their players. But he's been awesome. And you're right. The on base for Juan Franco hasn't been that good so far, um, even though he's hitting the ball, you know, pretty well. I think he'll get a little bit better. But um, yeah, I think that with with Manny Margo, that's a big thing. And it feels like the Rays thing. They're just churning out guys. I know they're known for pitching, but you know, this is a team that the way I view it is they'll find a way, uh, even if they call up a double A reliever who can only pitch against the Red Sox on night games, they'll find a way uh, to piece together uh, 95, 96 wins at minimum season. And the other thing is that what I like about them, despite actively rooting against them, oftentimes they have this feeling where if they really want to go for it, they have so many assets that they can make a move if they choose to. Just to give my little, you know, analytics nerd out here, here for a second. Go Manuel ahead, Margot is for real right now. 42% <laughs> hard hit rate. He's hitting the ball in the air more than he ever has. Barreling more balls than he ever has. Like I said, he's playing exceptional defense. But the bat right now, I don't think he's going to hit 348 the rest of the season. But this is legitimately a guy who's striking out 12.7% of the time. Hitting the ball hard. Hitting the ball in the air. That signals a guy that's going to hit 300 with a good slugging percentage. And he's walking 9% of the time. I mean, this we're talking about a guy that's been in the league since 2016, since he was 21. He's still only 27 and now has more than 2000 plate appearances under his belt. This is the definition of a late blooming superstar from a guy that was a top 10 prospect at one time. And sometimes Mm -hmm. it just takes these guys six years in the bigs to do it. it it happens more than you would think yeah it's a great story uh, he was basically just a defensive only maybe fourth outfielder type but i love that i mean i wrote about just baseball like about um what's that guy in toronto's name kevin gosman like that dude was a top overall pick struggling baltimore struggled a little bit in atlanta had some moments and whatnot and then all of a sudden figures out with san francisco and is even better now with toronto so like i love the late bloomers carlos rodan lucas giolito like i love it when guys aren't great immediately and then figure it out later, because, you know, as baseball fans, we're a fickle bunch, right. And we love to jump on things immediately and abandon guys, but this is a great story. Uh, so shout out to Manny Margo, former Padre that again, was probably a lopsided trade when you look back at it for the Padres. So not going great over here in San Diego. 
Okay, so to finish the episode, Javi, shout mm-hmm. out to any Orioles fans listening out there. You probably <laughs> hate us, and you probably stopped listening already because you said these assholes. They're not gonna. Yeah. They're not even gonna mm-hmm. get to the Orioles, right? No, you're wrong. We're gonna get to the Orioles. We're gonna get Dude. to you. Don't worry. You just gotta wait a second. So the guy I want to talk about is the face of the Orioles right now, and I want to talk about if he's going to stay the face of the Orioles. Cedric Mullins really did take the world by storm last year. Thirty home runs, thirty stolen bases hit 291 with a 136 WRC plus for the Orioles in 2021 started the year slow this year, but he's right back where he was last year. He's hitting 268 right now, but it has a 131 WRC plus and over his last 91 plate appearances, hobby, he's hitting 325. Mm-hmm. He's entering arbitration this winter. And I want to ask you, do you think the Orioles will give Cedric Mullins a contract extension? Because to me, it seems like the right thing to do as Grayson Rodriguez, as Ali Rutschman, mm-hmm. as yep. these other prospects start to come up, the Orioles are going to need not a superstar, but a star and a leader to really take mm-hmm. them to the next level if they're going to go there. Yeah, you kind of want to have an anchor, right? And I know that a lot of people, to, to give my Padres side of things, when the Padres signed Machado, a lot of people were like, yeah, but they stink. They did that because they knew they had a farm system and that eventually this team is not going to look the way it is now. And maybe that's what you do here. Maybe without the name recognition necessarily, without the long, you know, sample size, maybe that's why they may be able to get Cedric Mullins for a decent contract deal. Maybe something, I don't know, like a five, maybe something like what, uh, maybe what the DJ Mayhew got, maybe something like, I don't know exactly. I have to think about that, but it's going to be interesting. And like what you said, I mean, starting out for, for the non-analytic freaks, you know what I mean? That he hit 210, 304 on base, uh, batting average on base for the month of April. And then May, 351, 373, and slugging 561. He's been great. I have a thing for you. This is a, now, this is my nerdy side of things. I think this guy's Charlie Blackman in the sense that no one's going to believe what he's putting up for like three years. <laughs> and then he always slips in your fantasy draft. They're like, okay, no, no, this is the year. Okay, no, 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 this is the year. This is the year. And then eventually like, oh no, this guy's just a really good offensive player and could be that anchor for the Orioles who maybe in a few years won't actually be their best player. But if you get him now, could be a really good discount for a team that hopefully with all these prospects coming up and if Matt Mount Castle figures it out and guys like that could be really good for years to come. So yeah, for sure. Javi, I look at a guy like Nicholas Cassianos, who had a 140 mm. WRC plus mm. last year, obviously a home run hitter, but doesn't play good defense. Cedric Mullins kind of has the close to the offensive output of a Nicholas Castellanos with plus outfield and plus speed. I think Castellanos got five for a hundred. I would say that, you know, in a contract extension, say they're buying out three years of arbitration and adding another three on, you could theoretically get close to like a six, six for one twenty six for one ten mm-hmm. kind of thing. I think that's kind of in the air in the region that, that I would see happening, but that's a big contract for the Orioles. They have not shown that they're going to spend that much since Chris Davis. We shall see Javi. That's going to do it for us today on state of the division. Do you have any closing words for the listeners out there? Uh, closing words. Look, we can't reveal every inside thing that people have been saying about you know, just baseball stuff where all the group chats were in, but I'm just saying, you know, someone who may or may not be a host for the NLE show talking a lot of crap about how his team is in better shape than most people. And look at us, Colby. I actually think that the Red Sox are in a better position than the Marlins. I know that their team's rough, but guess what? They'll figure it out. They've got an easy schedule coming up. And then my team, uh, do we have the third best run differential and the Dodgers and Giants are killing everybody by a lot? Yeah, but we're winning games. 
That's what matters here. And we don't even have Tatis back. So all I'm saying, ladies and gentlemen, is it's early. Don't overreact to giant things just yet. There's still so much that can change. Remember last year when the Braves were like really blech or whatever, and then they won the World Series. So as much as we talk about now, next week things can change in, in the heartbeat. Yeah, there's close to 80% of the season left. There's a lot to overreact to always in the first month of the season. But I'm glad you shouted out some of our other hosts. Definitely listen to our <laughs> other hosts and the other State of the Division podcast. Javi, I had a blast with you. Thank you for joining me. That'll do it on today's ALE State of the Division episode. Thank you, everybody. Have a great week.